actually is a symbolism of death is that I got I you know I've pulled him down into my kingdom. <laughs> it doesn't sorry. matter. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, him dying is fairly symbolic of him dying. <laughs> Hello and welcome to An Englishman and an Irishman Go to the Movies, the podcast of your dreams. Joining me, as always, is the co-host of your nightmare, the there's not nightmares, Sean Ferrick. Yay! Nailed it. Yeah. And joining us for the entire month of October and for the last time, it is the man that this podcast dreams about. Ah, it's the dreamy Albert Hogan. Oh, well, if I'm anything like what we saw in this film i'm gonna fuck up your dreams i believe it you've you, i've seen your implements and i know you're more than capable <laughs> of, of doing all of those things <sighs> so yeah this week we are covering off friday the oh, mother front door it's not it's nightmare on elm street i really it's because freddy krueger i so i even when i was doing some background research i typed in friday the 13th and i was like this seems very familiar i'm sure we've done this does anyone else get confused, or is it just this knobhead? No, because the easy way to remember it is that Friday, uh, Friday the 13th is the one about the guy who's afraid of water, and A Nightmare on Elm Street is about a wise-cracking school janitor who teaches kids to believe in their dreams. I mean, brilliant. <laughs> uh, that's not easy to remember, but it is factually actu- accurate. Oh. And we promise that you haven't been drinking before this, right? I can't make any promises one way or the other. <laughs> Just, just actually, just promise one thing: don't drive after this. Uh, agreed. No, I wouldn't. Yeah, no, it's not, not good, not a good idea. So, yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, that's what we're going to cover off this week. And Albert, this is you're leaving us after this episode. You obviously didn't have enough fun. You don't want to stick around anymore, but that's fine. I, well, I mean, you you only signed me up for October, so jokes on you. Oh damn! Damn contract negotiations. <laughs> just asking too much for season two. Always the way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was totally meant to write him a contract, wasn't I? Well, oh, that will explain that. Yeah, we've got the guy that does all of the admin work, and then we've got the funny one. So I, I've taken the position of the funny one. So we, we need somebody that does the admin work. <laughs> That's true as well. I'll put up an ad for a co-host for you as well. Yeah, um, brilliant. I mean, they don't have that sorted. They don't have to you, do you, much. You mean a guest host, not a co-host, right? <laughs> oh, sorry, you're dead right. Of course. Yeah. Um. And uh, you might want to think of the name as well. Um, I've done pretty well so far. Yeah, an Englishman thing Irish. Oh, anyway, yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> well, it makes a change. Usually the other way around. Um, <laughs> Fair. Fair. Right. Shall we, we, uh, we dive into the film before we actually disband the podcast with Albert leaving? It's because we're sad and emotional. <laughs> I'm in a glass case of emotion. We're going to have to start paying Anchorman some kind of royalties to the amount of... Actually, no, there's no news this week, so we don't have to pay them anything. So we've got, I think, one more reference left in us, and then we can... Well, we'll have to start paying some money. I like where this is Um, going. Before we get into the uh, movie, I want to quickly talk about Halloween 2018. Um, Super spoiler-free. I just have to express how much I loved this film. Um... Obviously, we've watched a lot of Halloween-themed films. It uh, popped up on Netflix, and I thought, yeah, no, I'm doing this. Haven't seen... So all I've seen is Halloween, Season of the Witch, <laughs> and now Halloween 2018. Um, 28, it's brilliant. It's, uh, it's fantastic film. Phenomenal. Go and watch it, if you haven't seen it already. Um, 
and I'm sorry that I watched it without you guys. I'm very upset by this. It's fine. It is fine. It's not I fine. Like it's not. I am Albert's okay. inner monologue, and it's not fine at all. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay. Rage. Rage against the dying <laughs> of the Ian. Um, but uh, it is very rising. good. We will, we will, we'll definitely the three of us will have to watch it together um, because you're, it's it's almost impossible to discuss it without discussing spoilers because from the yeah. off it's brilliant. But to talk about any of it would be to give stuff away. But as Ian, you have now experienced, and Albert, you will experience the score for this film. I would, I so me, good better than the original and i could say that because john carpenter wrote the score for this film so that's okay yeah, exactly <laughs> it's used slightly more and i think it's used in a better way as well um and it, it doesn't drift or variant very much from the original but when it comes in it is oh it's just so good and i'm the dumb one with scores and even i know that it's it's good um, yeah, love it. So do yourself a favour in this Halloween. Listen to the back catalogue of like our last seven episodes, and then watch all of that. Watch Halloween, Halloween one, and Halloween twenty eighteen, and you'll have a good evening. Yep. Noise. Right. Friday. The, I've done it again. Do you know what? So if I show you my notepad, this is the problem. At the top of the screen, <laughs> I've even written Friday the thirteenth. Like. Okay, to anyone, right, so obviously these are, these films, but there's a reason that you're writing for yeah, they, they are in the same universe. Yeah, but even more than that, for me, this Friday the 13th and Halloween blend into one. I, I'm amazed, so in a, Ian, what did I say? You said Friday the 13th and Halloween, <laughs> neither of which are the film we're here to discuss. <laughs> Oh, you poor kid. I'd love to say I'd love to say I'm tired, but I've just had a weekend off. Um, right, Friday the thirteenth. So what I was going to say, Friday the thirteenth, Halloween, and a Nightmare on Elm Street, which is just a shit title. Sorry, um, they they merge into one. So you've got the three big figures. You've got one tent poling each film. Um, and for me, it's kind of I'm amazed they haven't done a film with all three of them doing like a face off or a team up of of some description. Just wait for Disney to buy them, and I'm sure that will happen. I have to think about it for a second. Do Disney currently own them? Because I know New I Line think so. certainly... Well, New Line's dead, isn't it? Albie, you're the one who knows this kind of stuff. New Line's dead, yeah. Yeah, New Line yeah, died in who owns 2008, Dimension? I think. Yeah. I thought Dimension was dead as well. Did Dimension take over Don't New know. Line? If, if only we had some kind Magical of like box information where we could type in highway... It. Oh. Yeah, that could immediately give but, uh, us this. But actually, just while, while we're all furiously Googling, um, there was plans for... Oh, there, I think there was plans for a Mike Myers one, um, as well as uh, Freddy and Jason. Now, we got the Freddy and Jason one, um, which is a film. Um, and I think there was plans for Michael Myers and Pinhead from Hellraiser. But oh really? That's what is that owned by the same studio as well? Um, again, I'm saying this with absolutely no checking. Uh, I th- I presume or oh no, I think maybe it didn't happen because they weren't owned by the same company. So New Line is is distributed by Warner Brothers now. Oh, Warner so. Brothers Grant and Michael Myers is Universal. <clears throat> no. Um. Oh, this is really the crossover that will never happen. Yeah, then. I don't think so. 
Um, That's a shame. But, uh, yeah, so, Nightmare on Elm Street, Ian. Yeah. <laughs> hey, no, it's, I'm not leaving this. You, you do All right, then I will. <laughs> Why is cracking school I'll janitor teaches kids film. to believe that? No, um, it is, so, yeah, it's, he is, you are absolutely dead right. He is one of the tentpole villains. Um, the the burned face and probably even more so the razor knives, um, the, the finger, uh, yeah. the razor glove is instantly recognizable for kids and adults of nearly all ages because he's just, he's so ingrained. I was going to say, is he, is he more ingrained in popular culture maybe than almost any of the other ones we've discussed on the podcast? I think he might be. I think he is, because he's the only one I recognised in advance. You know, without having seen any of the films, I, I knew who Freddy was. Yeah, because you didn't know that this was based around dreams or even the really the premise of the film at all, but you still knew Freddy Krueger, you still recognised yeah. him. So. Yeah, I knew I knew his silhouette, if you want to call it that. Um, yeah, but yeah, definitely. and I very purposely coming into this with each of the films we've watched, purposely not read up on them, tried to keep it, you know, as if I was there in the cinema on release weekend of the film just to yeah. to give a slightly different perspective but in this instance i knew who freddy krueger was and i knew about the the razor blades and but i didn't know that he was you know it was all set in dream dreamland um so that was a nice surprise for me which is oh a nice surprise why do you say that um because i think i actually so so i quite enjoy the film i think there was it it gives you the the gore and the scares that you want from a horror movie, but there's actually, it's quite intellectual in a way um, in that it makes you think a little bit as well. Cause you're never really sure what's real and what's not. When are you in the dream world? When are you not? So it kind of messes with your head a bit. And I quite enjoyed that. So it's kind of more of a thinking man's horror or thinking person's horror movie. Oh man, I could not, I, 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 I disagree. And um, so, ah, see, Oh, I love that. It's brilliant. Um, so, fir- first instinct, Albert, you really like it. Sean, what's your first like it, love it? I uh, really, really like give it. give a crap if, about for it. For me, it was... Uh, I way too young when I saw this film first. Uh, and I do mean that. This is one of those films where I would actually say, no, stick with the 18 certificate on this one. Like, this is... this is Oh, definitely. It's creepy. Um, it's also... Um, He's so well known now. Obviously, I made the gag there about the wise cracking thing because he became a complete parody of himself as the sequels went on. There's a TV series, everything. One of the reasons Freddy is so well known is that they knew how to plug that character. He is scary as balls in this film. This is not a... In this film, yeah. yeah. And The New Nightmare, which is an excellent, excellent sequel that was, I think it might be the seventh movie, um, and they bring it back to roots a little bit. He works when he's frightening, which is one of the reasons I like this very, very much. Uh, you don't, I mean, you get a kind of, I mean, sorry, no, you do get a backstory to him. It's not really about his backstory. It's just, he's unstoppable. But even more so than Michael Myers is, or more so than, you know, the Jason series, obviously, is Mrs. Voorhees, number one. Because this guy gets you while you're asleep. How do you fight that? Um, you grab onto him, apparently. And it's yeah. What do you bring through into the real life? Like it's not. It's a. It's a film that is not without its issues. Like I will definitely agree a hundred percent with that. Mm-hmm. And God love the kids. Some of the acting, but Robert Engel is instantly iconic. 
instantly iconic. Like they made it immediately as it's, soon as this was released. This is the way the film opens is almost like his third or fourth film. It's so you feel like you already know this character because he's so there's no finding his feet. He knows exactly who he is. Um, it almost feels like I've missed a film because it it chucks you right in at the deep end. Um, so I don't particularly like this film. I'm totally lukewarm about it. Um, we'll dive in a bit more to that later. Um, it's 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 fine, but I won't I won't choose to watch this film. I won't put it on. There are about five or six different horror films that I'll I'll stick in over Halloween um, instead of this. Um, the 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 acting is pants for the vast majority of the film, um, other than Freddy. Uh, I don't like anybody in the film at all. Um, it handles alcoholism horribly. Yes, it and I know it's true. not. It's not supposed to. It's it's not a film about alcoholism. So find another way. Don't, don't do it. I want to say something upfront, real quick, because I agree with an awful lot of what you just said. Um, Heather Langenkamp, right, who plays Nancy in this mm-hmm. uh is one of the industry's nicest people she has she's stayed working she's actually uh, herself and her partner who i feel terrible now that i don't remember his name but they established a vfx company together and she's just so approachable so lovely um always on hand to talk about this thing she returns in nightmare 3 which i haven't seen but i have been told is you know one of the best in the series um and you know she so was cool. a lot better new new nightmare it's brilliant and it's fantastic the reason i want to be so like she's so wonderful she's so beautiful is that god love her it's rough watching some of the scenes in this film it's so hard it's not just me is it like the no. let's say the human actors the human characters in this are just pants you're just waiting for freddie to turn back up again there's nothing keeping me going johnny depp does a good job I have to does like he, I have to say he's actually He does a good job of falling asleep. Well I get character flaw, pulls, not acting flaw. He, he manages to pull off a crop top and that's winning for in my book. Right, I repeat, does he? <laughs> I think he does. He gets the coolest off screen death. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true actually. Yeah, you're not wrong. Blended. Wow. Uh, um, oh, yeah. what do you think on that, Albert? That ooh, let's not punch my mic in the face. Um performances, did that not take you out of the film? Did it not bug you? Um, yeah, but I was kind of forgiving of it, I think, because, um, I, I'm not disagreeing with what you say. I, I completely agree on, you know, definitely think the way it handles, you know, something like alcoholism is, is not very well thought through. I think what I liked about this film was, and again, I haven't seen all the films in the various franchises we've watched, but Freddie came on screen and I was interested in him because he was larger than life. Yeah. He wasn't like you know michael myers you know and kind of like hidden behind a mask you know all kind of mystery um and i liked that i liked that he came out the gates like being a big character and being quite really aggressive yeah aggressive and bizarre but also quite humorous in sort of a really dark way Mm. um so that kind of drew me in yes the kids are pretty hokey in it and even johnny depp isn't you know, amazing. It actually took me a while to realise it was him first off. Um, but I kind of forgave it because when, you know, when Freddy's on screen, it's so brilliant and intense and 
um, over the top that you kind of need those quieter moments in between where actually you don't care as much for other people. Um, <laughs> kind of waiting for them to get chopped in half. Yeah, and again, I think that the premise of the film is so sort of intriguing to me that that carried it through for me. Um, so almost in a way that kind of the human characters, as you call them, were sort of incidental. It was more the, the oh, is this in the dream world or is this the real world? And you're kind of looking out for signs and things like that. So that was sort of what carried me through, I think. Um, and again, you know, interested to see where the franchise would go. And, and I do know that Freddy becomes more kind of comical as it goes along. Um but I actually quite liked the way he was played in this film. I thought it was um, interesting. It's a massive, massive contrast to um, Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees, isn't it? And to yeah. most horror bad guys, like this is a, this is almost let's be as different as possible. My, um, um, Michael Myers may as well be a Terminator. He's just a robot that keeps going and is relentless, and that is terrifying. But Freddy is just in your face um he's unhinged he's unstable you don't know what he's going to do next and you don't know what corner he's coming around either it's really clear that you're playing in his backyard you're on his territory so he can the frustration is always with a lot of films well why don't you just kill her why are you torturing her why are you chasing her around a forest just hurry up and murder her but this is Freddy having fun. This is sport for him. So he can torturise them as much as he wants. He knows he can get them in the end. So it's a, it, I'll give it credit for being actually really original um, and kind of putting away some horror tropes. Like, when you think of it, like, yeah. there's, no, there's no time limit. If, if, think of it, if you are a demon who can, you know, enter people's dreams and whatever, the only time limit is however long the dream lasts. Yeah, well, now, then... that would be interesting because the, the famous thing is that you a dream always feels longer than it is, so it might just be thirty seconds. They could he could keep kids in there for months and months mentally, and then they wake up and it's just been one night. Like, what kind of torture is that? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, and spoilers, but the whole film is essentially a dream, is what I took from it anyway. Um, the one time where it was all a dream is actually acceptable. <laughs> yeah, I know, um, but weirdly, was not sort of how I expected that ending to play out. So again, I was kind of like surprised <laughs> and and taken by that. Um, the other thing I thought that was interesting about this film for me, in comparison to some of the other films we've seen along the way, is actually the, you know, it's it's the classic kind of morality thing again, promiscuous teen gets murdered. You know, yeah. that seems to be a recurring theme in 70s and 80s horrors. Um, but what I thought was interesting in this one is that the adults are all a bit, crap in this film and the parents are completely used if they weren't there you know what would have happened um it's the kids themselves who are kind of fighting back um whereas in a lot of the other films we watch it relies on the parents or the the sort of grown-ups in the situation to to find a way through which i thought was again quite interesting so there's almost like a little bit of role reversal there um where you've got you know parents who are kind of like trying to forget the past of you know the kind of stuff they did when they were younger and you've got um you know kids that basically are trying not to to do what their parents did and make the same mistakes so for me that was kind of an interesting twist on it as well um but again how that actually was realized on screen maybe wasn't as clever as the idea itself um but i thought it was something that picked up on 
I totally agree. I think that is that absolutely right. They're all at different ends of the spectrum. They're all not really functioning adults for whatever reason. But you're dead right. It isn't delivered very well on screen. It's delivered. Hey, it's so hard to get into the mind of the the, the, the of, into the mind of Wes Craven and what he intended and what actually ended up on screen. But the way it's done is fucking sexist. So the women basically can't survive without a man. So um, Nancy's mum has fallen to bits after divorce or separation, whatever it is. Um, not an uh, at all functioning alcoholic at all. Just is completely off the rails. Can't look after her daughter at all. And Johnny Depp's parents, he is just his dad is just super aggressive, super dismissive, and the wife is just yep, yeah, okay, that's fine. My opinion doesn't matter. And it's like, do you have to beat us over the head with that? Like, it's, I might be just be reading too much into it, but it would have been nice to see the women play played a bit stronger. I I don't. They don't need to be damsels in distress. I I don't disagree with everything you said, but I do feel that that might have been done from a different standpoint. I feel that he highlights misogyny an awful lot in the film, and maybe that's it. Yeah. Um. Now again, whether it's successful or not, that yeah. is. Well, frankly, it's for podcasters to decide, so we'll we'll rip into it. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think the the mother is handled well at all, but no. um, especially I've... the cure in inverted commas. Mm. Yeah, but I think Nancy, uh, God lover, the acting aside, I do really like Nancy. For me, is a kind of a standout in horror movie heroines. Um, she does figure it out by herself you know she does mm. figure out the way to victory there's i i love it and i kind of have a bit of a special place in my heart for it where you know just before jumping straight to the end she goes for her confrontation with freddie and you get the kind of home alone um macgyver home alone <laughs> yeah, compilation kevin McAllister is getting ready to take on freddie <laughs> kind of thing and i'm look i i actually enjoy that bit of it it's it sort of takes it out a little bit from the horror thing. One of my favourite moments of the film is where he reefs open the door. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I <laughs> felt that sledgehammer right there in the chest. I think, God, head... But anyway. It's like yeah, but I, I laughed out loud at that moment. Yes, I thought so that was hilarious. I think... Um, it's just yeah. a dull thud, and then it's it doesn't really do a lot of damage. He's just kind of winding... <laughs> Well, is he, I suppose... And then carries on. Question. Right, so Fred Krueger, the man who was killed and became Freddy Krueger... Yeah. ...is human. It's never explained how... Uh, in this it's film, magic. anyway. It's never... Exactly, magic. So, so if, say, the magic spell has been broken insofar as he can come out of the dream, well, wouldn't he just be human again? He really should hurt him. Don't try to apply logic to this at all but because i i, that I will breaks... logic the crap no, out of you sir because this is you'll end up not liking the film like me because i can't not logic my way this is i'm my own worst enemy when it comes to films like this i have to i have to logic my way into it and it doesn't stick to its own rules if a movie a movie creates a universe and a bit of escapism sets out its rules i want it to obey those rules and this doesn't so yeah if he's turned back into a human that should have broken every rib in his body it should have if shattered him. he's yeah Exactly. If he's still magical, he should have just walked through it and it doesn't matter. So which one are you, Freddy? Because that was just kind of to slow you down. I think there is. Well, so you're, you are 
100% correct in that it doesn't stick to its own rules. And there was, so coming up right more so to the very last scene. Now, I hate the last scene of this film. It was tacked yeah, on. Right it's terrible. So. It's, it's awful, stupid. right? It's not Wes Craven's ending. So the producer, uh, Bob Shea, he owned New Line Cinema. So New Line Cinema stepped in in the 11th hour and saved this Mm -hmm. film because it was, I think they they had run out of backers. That's a story in itself. Yeah. Um, And he, I suppose in fairness, Bob Shea kept the thing alive for years, uh, kept the franchise going, uh, appeared in two of the films, three of the films actually, one vocal cameo and two on-screen cameos. Like he loved the Freddy series. But he he's wanted... the new the newsreader, isn't he on KNPR or whatever it is on the radio? I think I, think. I think that's yeah. I think you're dead right. I think that's him in one in one. Yeah, he has other roles in other films which are just hilarious. Uh, Freddy like Nightmare Two, that's a podcast on its own. Uh, but we'll, <laughs> we'll we'll do that another day. But um, but he wanted this scary ending. Wes Craven wanted a happy ending that the ha- and if it had stayed a happy ending then Albie, you could have gone more into it was all a dream. And in the confines of this movie, I think that would have been fine. Yeah, generally it's all a dream endings are terrible, but this is a movie about dreams. Yeah, that's, you've led with it. It's like Inception. Yes. That's your premise. It's not your way out. Yeah, it, sorry. Yes, exactly, right? But Bob Shea wanted... No, we want scary. Whoa. And so you had the car and the car has the Freddy colors. And then I, I, I was waiting for this. So I enjoyed laughing when Albie, I saw you nearly sprayed your tea all over the laptop when the dummy gets pulled through the door. Oh, yes. God. Oh, it's the, it's the legs, isn't it? It's the way the legs flop around and get pulled in through the window. It, it doesn't it's, add anything. Nothing. It's, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely leaves you kind of going after what is, you know, quite a satisfactory ending. You're kind of like, really? Did you need to do that? Um, and in a way, it sort of just took away the, the cleverness of the ending, I think, for me. And as you say, Sean, leaving it open ended it up to the, you know, to the audience to decide, well, was that real? Or maybe it was still a dream, yeah. I think would have been much more successful. So I'm with I'm with Wes on this one. Um, I don't think it added anything. And yeah, that dummy was just so cheap and nasty. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, I think, so Wes Craven, in in fairness, like there's, there's films he's made that, Ian, I know you passionately hate. Last House on the Left, uh, Hills mm-hmm. of Eyes. Um, but he also... Hate is, hate is strong. I will not choose to put myself through them and I don't think they add much value to cinema. Okay. Full stop. I'll, now, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there. No, no, no. That's, I, yeah, look, I, I haven't politician's seen... politician's answer, right? Yeah, yeah. Hate is really strong. There, there, There's definitely bits about each movie I hate. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, I... Fi- but he also gave us Scream. And he gave yeah. us... Uh, the New Nightmare was very much a proving ground for Scream. Um, if... If you'd ever be so inclined as to watch New Nightmare, you'll watch that and you'll go like, ah, yes, okay, I see where an awful lot of Scream came from. Um, yeah. And that takes the idea of, you know, horror movies, where do you draw the line, what's real life, what isn't. Um, and yeah, this, absolutely. I feel 
it's weird trying to defend it because it's a horrible nasty little film about a scumbag murdering children in their dreams and it's like oh i'm gonna defend this but some of the things it does it really 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 frightens and unsettles the audience that idea of you can't fight back you know um that idea yeah the one that really got me was her running up the stairs so her feet just go through into like marshmallow and everybody has had that dream where you want to run away but something is stopping you that was super relatable more than like the maggots coming out of him and chopping his own fingers off in the vomit that's the one that really got me yeah i'm right there i don't i'd written down my notes as like that was in a way like an internal jump scare for me yeah um because it kind of messes with your brain it's a bit too close to home yeah yeah um no and it's like i think it's like oatmeal or something weird like that like it, it reminds me of the kind of texture of melted marshmallow yeah, exactly. I, and on that, we're going to jump around a little bit because everyone, I think most people listening to this will have seen the film. You know, it's about Freddy. He gets you in your dreams, blah, blah, blah. That's it. But the practical effects in this film are fantastic. They are phenomenal. Like, it's usually there's one kind of big thing that. One, what am I thinking of? One um, set piece that the movie's famous for this just like chucks loads of different techniques does loads of different things and it it visually you're always kind of in awe um in the dream world aren't you yeah except for that bloody dummy at the end that was the only (laughs) effect that did not work for me but no i agree like there was that there's one um effect shot that jumped out for me was him walking through the the bars of the cell Uh, that was really good. well done that was held up yeah. really well um and even some of the that scene in particular i found quite disconcerting where you know you saw the the um the sheet wrap around the guy's neck and i thought that was all done mm-hmm. really really well um and actually the um tina's death i thought you know as disgusting as yes. it was that was a masterclass in sort of practical effects i thought in terms of like how she was brought up the wall and just blood everywhere (laughs) you know it was actually really really well done so even though it was quite difficult to watch i was still intrigued by how they did it um and i'm sure sean you've got some behind the scenes stuff in terms of how they actually shot that um (laughs) but it felt like you know is is it a set that's on its side or you know how have they done it yeah that's where i was going with it i was quite quite intrigued by that bit in particular because it's such a full-on death and in a way i think that's probably the i guess that and and um glenn's death are the two kind of big deaths in it um and glenn's death is quite interesting isn't it because he's sort of like sucked into the to the bed and it's um very different and then you just get like a tsunami (laughs) of blood Um, (laughs) but you know how those were done i'm really intrigued um, and the other one I think was really successful was the or was the bath scene where she's oh, pulled yeah. through. Again, that was really like creepy. Um, but from, a, from ground, a technical perspective, yeah, like I'm really fascinated to know how they actually did that. So, Sean, do you have some answers for me? Oh, I might have one or two. <laughs> can I guess? Uh, what can, I mean, I, can I guess Tina's one? You probably can. Yeah. 
it felt because of the way it was, so what I love about that scene is that it goes on for about 45 minutes and it doesn't the camera shot doesn't jump around at all it's just you're going to strap in you're going to watch this it just follows her around the room it doesn't do anything fancy with the camera which makes me think that they've done something with the set so the room I think is upside down and they've kept yeah. Johnny Depp's head in the frame for a bit of context so it's not too obvious because that him being stood upright is enough to trick your brain that the room is upright but i imagine that's probably how they did it that's pretty yeah pretty much uh, that in that scene it's i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing this correctly but jesus garcia is the guy in that scene and you are abs- I mean otherwise you're exactly right so yeah it's a rotating room and uh, awesome. he was strapped in and his hair was gelled to within an inch of it oh, so that it brilliant. wouldn't move. Um, awesome. But actually, ah. funny enough, they then reused that set for Glenn's death. So, because obviously you have this geyser of blood. Oh, and it's okay. not shooting up, it's coming down. Oh, brilliant! You know? Clever. So, it's, and it's brilliant. Oh, that's and yeah, they you know maxed out Hollywood's budget on fake blood or something in that scene. It was which, crazy. Yeah, which, that's good because then that explains why the mother is shot separately because she's obviously. Yes. And establish uh, that makes a lot of sense then. Yeah. Oh, isn't that um, clever? As good as and, and uh, so simple. I notice it now. It took me a couple of watches, so I don't know if you notice it straight away. That if you look at the way the blood's hitting the ceiling, you start to see that it you know starts to run to one side as the so set is I turning. So I saw it, but I just assume that's possessed blood. It, yeah. Freddy is putting the blood where he wants to put it. Um, it just kind of added to the creepy dream factor mm. more than anything. Oh, it's 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 ridiculous. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, in a way, it's not like... Like, Tina's death is scary. Tina's death is horrible, and it's scary, yep. and it's, it's long. It goes on for ages. You know, it her really body's does. just lying there. It's it's rotten. Whereas Glenn's... Glenn, you don't see his death. You just think you've seen this really horrible, disgusting thing. As you said, I think you said uh, blended. Meat grinder. Or something, yeah. Yeah, just blender. But of course, you don't see any of that. All you Human see smoothie. is that he gets pulled down into the dream world yeah, yeah. Uh, that's more blood than one human body can produce oh god so it's, yeah like, yeah it's just he's just fucking with people yeah absolutely and then see i, I got i was just gonna say is there like a bit of symbolism there because is it something like you know it's almost like a reverse birth in a way you know it's oh like bloody having... hell literally jesus christ yeah, I mean, I, I kind of went, oh, that's kind of interesting. I don't know if that was the intention or not, but that's... It, it Definitely just... what it looks like. Yeah. We don't do those... Well, I, I was going to make a joke, but we don't do those kind of jokes in this podcast, period. But... Uh, um, up. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Oh, period, sorry. sorry. I just got your joke. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, oh. But actually, no, because I kind of did... I, I take that not... I didn't take it as a symbolism of birth, but certainly actually as a symbolism of death is that I got, I, you know, I've pulled him down into my kingdom. It doesn't <laughs> Sorry. matter. Yeah. I mean, yeah, him dying is fairly symbolic of him dying. At least I made you laugh. I don't know. Just funny felt one kind now. Of, it, it felt a bit Freudian to me. That was all. Yeah. Uh, you're no, not I, wrong. I thought I it was totally just Freddy fucking with the family because if he kills you in your dreams, and we know that we've seen the physical damage he did to Tina, so, like, he obviously can send some stuff over into the waking world. I mean, did he really need to do that? No, he absolutely didn't. He was just showing that he was completely in control. 
So on that, you to- I totally agree. But on that, again, like Amityville Horror, where does his power... I'm going to be really boring and no one's going to like this. Where, where are his powers? Why he can clearly walk around the real world, because he does, I think. Does he? Uh, does he not, not until she brings him out of the dream. Right. But he can but aren't affect... they still in a dream? Isn't that the whole point? Yeah, the whole thing was still a dream, wasn't it? But wasn't... Wasn't so he is projecting stuff? No, because it's all a dream, isn't it? So he doesn't project anything potentially into the real world. I don't think I have an answer. Because no for one's you. dead at the end, but I because yeah, everyone's alive at the end, aren't they? And the um, alcoholism, how alcoholism is cured. <laughs> well, that's true. I have. You know yeah, what? and she I'm just says, "I don't again. think I'll drink anymore." Okay, it, literally, great. that's the line. Brilliant, cool. cured. Um, but I. So, Freddie's story if you like, obviously, is that he was caught by the parents of Elm Street and they burned him. And, you know, as he was dying, he swore eternal revenge, you know? So, yeah. whatever. A shaman was walking by and says, all right, I'll take that bet. Um, <laughs> and so he he came back. And, you know, yeah, it's not explained. And I don't think there right. really could be a satisfactory explanation. No. And also why then you know why at that point in everyone's lives did he suddenly strike you know there's there's definitely yeah. plot holes there but you know I, I think you just have to kind of not be an Ian about it and just suspend <laughs> reality for the, a while right the verb to Ian a movie <laughs> to Ian just a movie dude suck the on, fun just out enjoy it, it. <laughs> just switch your brain off no reason logic fast yeah. and furious doesn't make sense um, Ian so, stands for intense analytical nerd. You there are you you, you nailed amazing. It. If you just came up with that, that is phenomenal. That is absolutely I what I am. Um, credit to you. That is awesome. That that is it. And it sucks, but I I, I make the, I was going to make a living out of it. Doy bollocks. I make a life <laughs> out of it. Um, so right, new information in a dream. How the fuck did she work out that this is where? Freddie comes from unless she already knew outside of the dream and just suppressed it and then her subconscious revealed it to her in the dream. You, you can't learn something new. What do you mean now? So if the, the whole film's a dream and she doesn't know where Freddie came from and she's mad at her mum because her oh, mum okay. explains, but if that's all in the dream, she's learnt something from her own brain. This is why Bob Shea's ending doesn't work. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's why the whole film does. Well, I suppose arguably, yeah. Actually, even if... Sorry, you're right. Even if Wes Craven's happy ending thing. Yeah. yeah it actually works even less. Yeah. Because if the whole thing's a dream and everyone's still alive, how did she learn anything that she didn't already know going in? But that's... Is it, Fred, is it Freddy fucking with her? Is it all part of his master plan? Yeah, maybe that's... Well, Freddy creates the dream mother and feeds if, the information. If that's it, then he's only fucking himself over later on because as yeah. the series progresses, his great fear is fire. So right. Right. giving okay. away his secret is... Yeah, got it. You know, kind of like, here's how I died. Obviously, you take a Pretty look dumb. at him and you kind of can guess how he died. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, but you can take the... that one of two ways, can't you? You can either fire is now your ally or it's your greatest fear. Fire killed me. I have become one with the fire. No, you yeah. just burned to death. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah. So actually, you but you're excited about 
we we tried to logic this film, and now we all feel a little bit worse about ourselves. Uh, <laughs> I know. I feel I feel pretty good that I've brought you down. Um. <laughs> I feel fine. I've just like from the minute that film started started, and he put razor blades in his hands, and I was like. Yeah, how can he practically wear that all the time? Apparently, you know, I've seen problem. Edward Scissorhands. You know, that was the interesting, <laughs> other interesting connection I made. It was like Johnny Depp, Edward Scissorhands. That would be like, what, about four or five years after this film? Yeah, not that long, yeah. Some, yeah. Yeah, not long at all. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because this film, Nightmare, came out in the year I was born. So people can now work out how old I am. Look at that. 1962? I mean, wow. Love I'm just gonna appreciate you. just gonna appreciate that silence for a little bit. That speaks volumes, doesn't it? It's okay. Um, that's fine. Can that's we fine. can we quickly talk about the worst cop in the world? <laughs> well, take your pick. There's a few pretty bad cops in this film. No, but specifically, right at the end, the one that's watching Nancy's house. Oh, he is. Oh, five so houses. Bad. Five houses have broken, or five windows have broken in the house. Maybe something unusual is going on, and I should maybe go and tell him. That uh, bit was just like, come on, dude. Your boss's daughter is hanging out of the window, screaming, "Help me! Help me!" And you just stroke your face, just going. Well, that's, pe- that's damn peculiar. <laughs> I suppose in ten minutes I'll go and get my boss. It's okay, she's safe. She's behind bars. <laughs> Keep the noise down. It's under control. What's under control? We're dealing with this child murder, you screaming child. We, we yeah. have other things to worry about. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, does it? it? That is, instead of building suspense and making me more scared, it just pissed me off. Because I was like, you would immediately either go and help or grab her dad. Like, you're going to... hes I hope he got fired. I really do. I hope he doesn't turn up in the rest of the films. It was all a dream. It didn't happen, Ian. Oh, for fuck's sake. You're wrong. Yeah, I know there's that that's too. Why, that's why he's so incompetent. It's because he's actually a dream. Do you know what I feel about... I, I, I genuinely feel about this film. So, everything... I think it's creepy. I think it is scary. I think all of the, all of the logic points are totally fair. This is one of those films where... It created an instantly iconic villain, as we've said, instantly iconic mm-hmm. villain, and you kind of, you kind of wish he was in a better movie. And unfortunately, none of the sequels have really quite got there. New Nightmare came closest, but none of the sequels really have have done totally the idea agree. justice. Totally agree. It's like Jason, isn't it? How can you? It's exactly the same thing. How can you have a great movie series with no good movies? It's because the villain is really, really good. So, question: I tried to research this, but I've, I fell into a rabbit hole and it didn't quite work out. Was there a, a deliberate merchandise thing going on here? Because as soon as Freddy appears on screen, my my nerd brain straight away went, "That's so easy to cosplay, like knife violence in a box to one side for the minute." But it's so easy to cosplay. You get a trilby hat, you get a stripy jumper, um, you get the bladed hand. Was there a lot of like merchandise tie-in? Because it just seems like it, he was designed to be an action figure. Not sure at the time. Certainly since. Uh, but oh, I'm not sure yeah, at the everything time. has since. Um, uh, maybe. an interesting thought. I, I know the jumper came about when Wes Craven uh, did the 1980s version of Googled What Are the Two most incompatible colours. Oh, that's brilliant. Uh, which, uh, ironically, is the colours of Christmas. Red and green. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. Um, and what that's where that the is? jumper idea came from. 
and it's just something it's it's something to do with the spectrum of red and green together it just makes you yeah. uncomfortable or something um the the finger knives just they just needed a practical weapon they didn't want him running around with a big machete they didn't want done. him with a spear or something like that whereas yeah. finger knives grant um also useless information for you uh, Robert England is not the first person on screen to play Freddy. Um, he's not. He's not. the. Was it the stunt coordinator? Um, or the production manager? Was the, he yeah, was the only the guy two. who knew how to build, how, how to mould the razor knives. So it's yeah. his hands you see in that opening scene. It's not Robert England's at all. It's pretty uh-huh. cool, isn't it? It's a nice little mini origin for it. It's a good way to open the film. I mean... Mm. I hate the opening title as much as I dislike the Amityville horror one. Um, it, get, it just takes me out of the movie. It's like, Nightmare! Oh, I, yeah, see, I get yeah. it. I'm in a horror film. Cool. But it just doesn't do it for me. I wish they had just started... I kind of wish they just started with the... Um, Tina. Blah, blah, blah. Tina, sorry. So it's really cool that it's from Tina's point of view because you assume she's going to be the main character. Um, well, I mean, unless you've seen the poster. But... The, yeah. If you hadn't seen any kind of exterior marketing, yeah, going into it, you think, oh, main character, and then dead pretty quick, and shifts focus onto Nancy, which is what I thought actually. I was like, oh, this when she turned up with all the best friends, I was like, oh, they're all gonna die, and then actually she was the first yeah. one to be dispatched. So I was like, oh, okay. It's it does subvert your your you kind of your cliches a little bit, doesn't it? That's what it's um, all over. What about all the I, Yeah. Yeah. What about all the barefoot people in this film? <laughs> this because really that just... you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was so. Is fun. it because of the dream world thing? Because I guess so. If you're in bed, you're not wearing socks and shoes. I, I think it was right, and also you'll be delighted to know that yes, somebody was injured because of that. Which I'm not saying. I'm, I'm not good. personally happy that Heather Langenkamp injured her foot. But also, what the bloody hell did you think was going to happen when you were running around barefoot at night? You know, the scene where... It's actually the scene where she's going up the marshmallow stairs, right? And it's a... I, now, I didn't notice this. I, I read this online, right? But it's a blink and you'll miss it. The last shot of her pulling her foot out of that staircase, the foot is bandaged to high heaven because she had absolutely torn her foot open while she was running down the Jesus. road. And, you know, creative camera work or whatever got them away with it. But, yeah, but I mean, everybody's barefoot. It's so, yeah. like, it's so visible. It's so obvious as well. It, it must be a dream thing because, mm. yeah, you go to bed with your socks. Maybe, maybe there is, well, because the whole film's a dream. So I was going to... Maybe it it's foreshadowing. For, for what? <laughs> for the fact that the whole film's a Yeah, dream. no, that might be it then. You, I, yeah. For the fact that I, Quentin Tarantino I, guest directed we might we might be oh nice <laughs> we we might be reading into that one a bit too much but it was it definitely stood out um so can i say another thing that stood out for me please was do the it. Tapest, the tapestry of the dogs what was that about what was the entire basement that is a, an episode in itself is pulling apart that basement that's <laughs> just like and then so so nancy it, we're doing it now. We're logic bombing this thing. So Nancy, in a year, because I think she says it's a year, right? The, the mum says it's a year since Fred Krueger died. And in a year, she's never lit the bloody furnace for her, ma'am. She's always been like, no, you go down to the basement. <laughs> yeah, what exactly. A terrible daughter. Absolutely terrible. So there's a, apparently, I don't know if it got as far as being filmed, 
but um nancy's mum who's i'm afraid her name escapes me but um th- there's a bit more to that story so they they lock uh freddie in the building and they burn the building but he gets out while he's still burning and she shoots him which is why she is so fucked up a year later right. uh... see that's that's where i thought the alcoholism came from i thought it was the guilt of when she said that basically they just murdered him i was like oh that's where the alcoholism came from not from... i didn't get the whole breakup thing at all I just so kind of saw it as an amalgamation of everything that, yeah, yeah, everything has kind of been a burden to her. The way it's been yeah. left, though, you're right, Ian. Like, it does just come across like, oh, well, my life went to shit, so I hit the bottle. But like, if they'd even just, like, it's a line. They didn't even have to film it. They could have just said, yeah. you know, it came out. Because uh, I love, I love the line. I, I don't think it's delivered with enough kind of oomph, but well, you see, honey, it can't be Fred Krueger because mommy killed him. Yeah. I love the line. I think it's a brilliant line. Yeah. That could be on T-shirts. You could sell that on hats. Because it's supposed to be reassuring, isn't it? But yeah. that's not reassuring at all. Mummy's a murderer. What? Yeah. Um, Who do I live with? So it's it's more how they resolve the alcoholism that bugs me. I I I, I can yeah. understand how she got there, but the resolution of yep, just not going to drink anymore. That's that's not how it works. This I just don't feel is, like it. Yeah, and at times it felt like it was being played a bit for laughs when she like pulls a vodka bottle out of the airing yeah. cupboard, and it's just a bit like. Mm. And it, when you play it like that, it's then really it's too much of a contrast to um, Nancy, who is traumatized. Like she is, she yeah. desperately needs some help from her mum, but she can't hold her shit together for five seconds to to give her a hand. But to be fair to her mother, she did try and get her help. Right, she brought her to that. Institute for Sleep Disorders. No, I have problems. <laughs> which it f- honestly felt to me like, oh, we're going to do an exorcist moment here with medical it did, stuff. Didn't it? Yeah, that nope. that was just felt really out of place and random. Right. Sorry, I'm, I don't. Wanna, Sean, was you going to say something? No, I just I, I agree. No, you go ahead. This annoyed me so friggin' much. So this film is so anti-therapy. It bugs me. So. Daughter is traumatised. Anybody can see that. She can't sleep. I mean, I know PTSD wasn't, I think, widely... It was getting there by the mid-80s because of Vietnam and everything. Uh, Vietnam again for the 15th podcast in a row. But instead of trying therapy or talking to somebody, straight to the sleep clinic. Like, let's try and find a way to put her to sleep. Let's try and maybe figure out why she isn't sleeping instead. Um, It's... Ooh, why are we jumping to that? How about we talk about it instead? So it really bugged me. And it's the, not the, the natural first place you go you've to. You've skipped a few yeah. steps, haven't yeah. you? Exactly. And um, it did feel like the mum was going, you just need to sleep. Like every second line for about a third it, of the film. It was like, okay, she gets the message. Even the dad is like, you just need a good night's sleep. At the end, he's like, well, I've been telling you to do this for, for days. Just get a good night's sleep. Like, yeah. I'm sorry you saw your best friend murdered horrifically. A good night's sleep will sort you out, love. Do you know what you need to do right now? Be alone in a dark room with nothing to distract you from what just happened. Sleep can be the worst thing because that's when yeah. your brain fixates on it. and that's, you, There's nothing else to distract you from it. So that you, you're not going to sleep. If I should die before I wake, oh no, darling, you will. Yeah, <laughs> fingers. I mean, yeah. And, and similarly with the bathtub scene, the mother is like, be careful, people die in the bath. And it's like... <laughs> was that necessary? Yeah, it's like, thanks, um, mum. Have a good night for that. to you. 
as well. Yeah, because because hey. even, even Nancy goes, jeez. Yeah. Like, it's like, hey, mom, people die from being an alcoholic as well. Like, she may as well have been the reply. Yeah. Um, oh, last point on the sleep clinic was the sleep doctor in inverted commas. I'm pretty sure sleep research was further ahead than we don't really know what creates dreams. I'm pretty sure we knew the brain had something to do with it, and I'm sure delta waves were a thing. I'm I'm guessing the science was further along in 1984 than you know what we don't know. That's what you. Well, get the one thing guessing. I will say about that, yeah, the, the one thing I would say about that whole sleep disorder clinic thing was we got the amazing nurse with the mullet and that was <laughs> worth the trip for that mullet nurse is fantastic the lady mullet yes she is Not and she doesn't say a word in the whole thing i loved her nope you're, you're, you're two big mullet ladies isn't it you got your james bond person uh, lady i can't remember her name um she's a i think she's in a james bond film i might is a, one of the roger moore ones um, don't know. Anyway, sorry, I'm talking to the wrong people about James Bond. But yeah, no, that. Um, and I think, well, is that Wes, Cra- Wes Craven's wife? Yeah, I think I think Sean blurted that out as we were watching it, didn't he? Yeah, which is pretty cool. Yeah, but um, she definitely looked like. I think we also reckon she had a Harley Davidson outback that she jumped on and went and fought crime at night after her nursing shift. And you know which what? I was totally into. I want a spin-off. Yeah, that's the film that we need to see. That would be awesome. Um, yeah, so oh, I'm going to end up, I'm going to get into the bits why I really, really don't like this film. I know we're 50 minutes in, but it doesn't... Yeah, hang on, you're already getting into it. Sorry, yeah, <laughs> I've got another, welcome to my TED talk, it's going to be another hour and a half. Um, now, there's only a couple more bits that I don't like, and it, it is how it ha- how it does symbolism and subtlety in the way that it doesn't, I don't think. So, there's a couple of moments which could have been pretty cool that it then goes... Hey, see what we did? So one of them was when uh, Nancy's um, asleep and all of the pillows explode everywhere. She wakes up and then there's just a little feather that floats down. And it you could almost... It is almost blinking, you miss it. Until the next shot is a close-up of her face going... <gasps> oh my God! Because then you know she's seen the feather. And I would have rather just seen that feather kind of float off in the distance. And it's never acknowledged. It's Michael Myers in the background. I, did, I have to say, I didn't hate that. I liked that it was oh, just the one feather. I liked it too. No, I yeah. love it. I love the feather. I don't like the advertisement that the feather is there. I know it's there. Move on. I don't then need a zoom and enhance of Nancy's face in shock at seeing the feather. I'd have been, I'd have been happier if she hadn't seen the feather, because that's giving us more information than the main character. And that's... I, Personal opinion, all of this is just personal opinion, but that works better for me. No? You like that? Mm, I liked it. Yeah, I need I liked a new podcast. <laughs> Especially when she followed up, wasn't that when she went, Glenn, you bastard! Was <laughs> that that I thing? Mean, I think it was. Which I just I loved, my favourite scene of her in the bedroom was where, you know, the mam talks her in and walks away. And she doesn't pull a coffee cup out. She pulls a fucking, like, coffee, <laughs> you know, a, a percolator out from under the bed. I was yeah. like, that is, how did the mother not smell that, if nothing else? I mean, like, yeah, I make a coffee smell. in the kitchen, I could smell it for days. You, you could know? also hear it from two streets away <laughs> as well. They are fucking loud. I thought it was um, brilliant. Right, I'm going to keep beating you over the head with this. Freddy's jumper turns up a few times. So, 
the hall monitor is wearing Freddy's jumper. Now, oh, that's, well, no, that's, that was a dream. It's not not subtle. I know it's a dream, but I liked it because it was like, oh, you didn't then need the hall monitor to literally turn into Freddy. I I get it. I just it does too much. It kind of it. You're gonna say you liked that, didn't you? Do you know what I mean? Like the whole monitor is like, hey, where's your pass? And she's wearing Freddy's jumper. And the next scene, she kind of turns into or Freddy. She's then chasing she and in has voice, Freddy's voice she? exactly. That's yeah. what I didn't need. Um, using the colours was enough. I don't know. Maybe I might no. I might agree with you there. I might agree with you. Um, maybe some sort of gag because. Okay, we know she's dreaming because she's following Tina's bloody corpse. Yeah, it's enough that she's in the same sweater. I mean, I don't need to be beaten over the head with it by having Freddy's voice come out of her as well. It may as well have not been the hall monitor. Just put Freddy in there to begin with. Have Freddy say, where's your hall pass? Mm. Yeah, I'm sorry, I don't like this film. (laughs) (laughs) No, I really like the Freddy bits. I just don't think the execution's very good. Fight me. Tell me I'm wrong, please. How can you say you like Freddy but you don't like execution? Wait. <laughs> I just I just wonder if you are more used to seeing subtle horror that is more modern and actually if you think about the film and the time it was made. But the omen can do this so what this has taught me is that it's not an age thing because there are films that do it well. And they, the, the brain power was there. So it's like the physical effects thing. People in the 70s and 80s have the same eyeballs that we do now. They could see something's fake as well. So the... the, the oh. Yeah, but 80s fashion happened, so we can't get lent too much. <laughs> kind mate, of mate, have trust. you seen some people dress in 2020? I mean... Thankfully, fashion... feck all of them. I've been inside Actually, yeah, for not, most of it. Not so much at the minute. You should try, yeah. Don't go outside, it's rough. Yeah. Um, yeah, fashion's a different thing. Oh, man, am I just on an island here? I'm fine. No, with no, not on an island. island. Because so, some of the points you make are absolutely fair. All right? Thank some you. of them, like, where... Yeah, a lot of the film... Yeah, if you kind of... If you sit there with a pen and paper, which people have... I mean, because it is such yeah, a successful and right such here. an... Like, well, yeah, exactly. And such an iconic film, it is going to be picked apart like that. It is a victim yeah. of its own success in that respect. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I don't have so much of a problem with the hall monitor because I just it's all part of the one sequence to me. So it yeah. doesn't bother me that much. Um I guess I can understand what what you're saying about her reaction to the feather because I would say and maybe I'll be this is what you're saying as well um that it's it's the lack of subtlety. You yeah, know what I mean? That's it. It's the eh, it, eh. Do you it, see it? Almost, yeah. It almost gets there, and then it advertises it. And it's just like, yeah, here we go. Uh, um, cool. So the 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 score. We haven't we haven't actually touched on the score at all. Um, what did you? This is where I can shut up and let you guys take over. <laughs> my my only note is that it's eighties as fuck, and it reminded me of um, Sylvester McCoy's Doctor Who episodes. Like there's so much of that running through it. It is. I thought I was in an episode. Yeah, the, I think the score on this one didn't jump out at me as much as Friendly the other did. films we've watched. <laughs> well, yeah, literally. I think the theme is quite good, and I could see how it's sort of iconic. Um, it's much more, 
you know, and I know this film is the 80s rather than the 70s ones we've already watched, but it's more close to what I would consider a contemporary horror soundtrack. Um, so there wasn't anything like massively new or innovative in it for me, but I think it worked well at the same time. Um, so there's no kind of interesting observations like I've had on most other episodes on this one. It does the job, um, doesn't it? It, it makes does you the job. Jump, yeah. It tells you when Freddy's coming. That yeah. puts you on edge. Do you know, funny enough, the fact that you don't have as many notes is one of the most damning reviews of any of the scores <laughs> in this series. It is. And, and I mean, I, I think it's got a great theme. I, li- I like the theme tune. But yeah. even then, I think the tone is all over the place in the theme. Yeah. I can't think of the theme, though. Yeah, and I actually yeah. did purposely listen to it again this morning because we watched this last night. And I was just kind of like, yeah, it's good. Is it iconic? Not to me, when you hear the other ones. Yeah. Um, but I think when you put it with the over-the-top kind of nature of Freddy as a character, then it becomes a little bit more interesting. Yeah. Um, but in isolation, it's not something I would choose to sit <laughs> no. down and, and analyse like I did some of the other scores. No. It's interesting the different tacks that you can take. And I think actually it works for Freddy's character. It works for how... Because he's silly, isn't he? he? This is the first bad guy we've seen that A actually talks like mm. well, obviously Jason's not very chatty because he's not in the film Michael is definitely going to be on any talk shows um, but Freddy is really chatty from the off um, he's like yeah look at me I'm going to cut my fingers off and he's he's witty he's funny um, so it, how frenetic he is I think it matches the score quite well that, that, the fact that it doesn't have much of a structure or doesn't stand out too much probably just matches his character doesn't it yeah i would say you know the score was conventional is basically what i'd get from that um which is surprising given you know freddy's such a larger than life character yeah just keep hammering those nails into that coffin there i've got i've got two more sorry um Two more. What was the other nail? One of the nails. Right. Okay. So the MacGyver sequence. Yeah, it's fun, but there's no context for it. Like, oh yeah. yeah. Why does she suddenly have these abilities? Like, her dad's a cop. It's not like we've got a scene of her being out in the wilderness and her teaching him survive. Sorry, him teaching her survival skills. It's just this is my house and I will defend it. So it's fun, but there's no meaning behind it. Also, she did it in the space of. Like two minutes, three minutes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, like t- the time, time the, the, yeah. And again, sort of knowing it was all a dream is kind of helpful, because again, time is so messed up in dreams. But I was kind of going, really, ten minutes to like booby trap your house, have a chat with your mom, you know, get your alarm set, hop into bed, get comfortable, fall asleep, yeah, pull she's the couch, and ten... then. It's ten past midnight, isn't it, when she says to her dad, yeah. come and get me at half past. Yeah, half past. And in that 20 minutes, you do all of the above. Jesus, put yourself on a deadline, much. Mm. Final, final thing that doesn't make sense. Um, no, no, that might have been it, actually. Um, da, da, da. Well, I've just got, I've got a little, so the, I think the reason this film bugs me is that it's, I was thinking about, I'm glad that we had a bit of time between, so we watched it yesterday and we've recorded today. I'm glad we had a bit of time between it. Um, for me, this is like a Lamborghini. So, in this... Yeah, here we go. To, trying to apply some symbolism to a film that doesn't have much. In this metaphor, stay with me. The car... Cars in general is horror films. So, this is top-tier 
peak horror films. So it's a Lamborghini. It is really, really cool. It's exciting, but it's not practical for day-to-day life. So this is this is a lot of substance and a lot of power, but when you dig underneath it, I couldn't live with it day-to-day. Like It's not practical. Does that kind of make sense? Well, yeah, I'll return your birthday present. All style, no substance. It it is. It's all style and no substance. And I couldn't live with it. I'm not going to pop this on in April, but I will pop the Omen on. So I Mm. I would much... Maybe I'm just getting old. Maybe I'm just boring. I'd much rather um, a a Vauxhall Astra that's kind of really reliable, but has a bit of substance to it. (laughs) Well, you're not helping your argument about whether you're getting old or not there with your Vauxhall Astra statement. Yeah, sorry. uh, but no, you're 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 dead right. Like this is, there are films that you watch at Halloween, yeah. And there are horror, horror films that you can watch throughout the year. And I think I would agree with you. I wouldn't choose to stick this on yeah. in February or April or whichever. Whereas in a run up to Halloween, yeah, spot on. Yeah, exactly. Halloween. I'll just I want to rewatch the Halloween. All of them. I want to rewatch them right now. The Omen. I want to do right now. The Exorcist. I want to do right now. I just think you can be a horror film and still be a good film. And I feel like Nightmare on Elm Street um, and Friday the 13th doesn't do the... I'm not going to say it doesn't do the genre any favours because it puts bums in seats and it's fun. But it does. it's where you get the cliches and the horror tropes, isn't it? Um, yes. Yeah. But yeah. I think the, the, the backstory to the film is quite interesting. How... Um, it basically created New Line, didn't it? Yep. Um, yeah, because New Line was always known as the studio that the, the house that Freddie built. Yeah, that's um, it. And even I, even I knew that, and before I knew about the film. So they were um, they were big on distributing films. Um, yeah, for, uh, it was their it was their first actual production. Yeah, that's it. And it made its budget back in the opening weekend as well. So oh, and it some, was, it was and, a, and more. Yeah. Um, because he Wes Wes Craven. So I have a nasty habit of confusing Wes Craven and Wes Anderson, and they are opposite ends of the spectrum. I could, how did this guy make Fantastic Mr. Fox and Last House on the Left? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it's like stop motion to the practical effects. Man, this guy's covered some ground. <laughs> so Wes Anderson shipped this to basically every studio: Paramount, Universal. You'd think Universal um, would have. No, he didn't. Not Paramount. So what Wes did I Craven. say? Did I say Wes Anderson? <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> Brilliant. That was great. So yeah, Wes Anderson um, pitched Friday the 13th to so many places. <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> Wes Craven pitched um, Nightmare on Elm Street to yeah Paramount, Universal. I think Universal would have taken it, but had Dreamscape? Or was that Paramount? Basically, they had another film that was very similar and was based on Dreams. So they said, no, we'll pass. But... Let us know how it goes. Um, so Wes Craven was absolutely... Someone got fired. Yeah. Uh, well, he's got the rejection note on the rejection letter framed on his wall as a big, fuck you guys. Um, yeah, and eventually New Line picked it up. They got a ton of foreign investors. Um, I think, yeah, the famous thing is all of the original investors dropped out uh, over the course mm. of the film. So there wasn't a single original investor yet uh, left. Um, and somehow it eventually got it got made. So it's it's fascinating, isn't it? How close we were to not having Freddy. And it's weird because obviously, for pretty much no, for all of our lives, he's just been this icon of horror. You know what yeah. I mean? He's been uh, and and quite quickly as well because um, 
was reading the the actress who played Tina. Um, the Halloween after this film was released. Uh, this might be apocryphal now, but apparently a load of trick-or-treaters started called Dressed as Freddy throughout yeah. the course of the evening. And she kind of went... had a fucking nightmare. Yeah, bloody <laughs> right she did. I was like, I thought I left you in it, you know, on the film set. And she, apparently she told one of them, oh, I was Tina. And they went, no, you weren't. And walked oh, off. Oh, that's so rough. Oh, that is rough, right, isn't it? But again, film. that's what, what you pull from the film. Exactly. You can easily be forgiven for forgetting everybody other than Freddy. There was a there was talk for an article recently of oh you know rank all of the kills in the franchise and it's like no I don't have time for that because that's quite a lot of people dying yeah and no no what a horrible sad way to spend your day it um, does go on quite a bit um so possible Freddies like um you can't really imagine um Mr England. Other than anybody other than him playing the role now, but um, David Warner was the first pick, um, tie back to the Omen. Um, but there was a scheduling oh, conflict, that's what it was, yeah. so he would have been Freddy. Um, Wes Craven wanted somebody quite built, quite broad, quite tall and dominating, um, and instead went with Robert England, who I think is about four foot five, and <laughs> ended up completely not where he expected it to be. All right, that's mad right that you say that because this is one of those kind of like how do all of the horror films connect? Okay, so you've got we've David, got a three way here. We we do. So we've got David Warner, uh, who was in The Omen, was meant to play Freddy. So there's one. You had Robert yep. England, who distributed yep. leaves on the set of Halloween. So yep. there's Halloween and and Freddy linked, and yep. director Sean no, Sean S Cunningham directed yep. a couple of scenes of this and he directed Friday. Oh, awesome. And Evil <laughs> Dead by Sam Raimi is on the TV in this film. Yeah. And so in Evil Dead 2, Freddy's glove is on the wall. Oh, there that's not that that breaks my brain. Absolutely breaks my brain because you can't have you can't have it both ways. You you're into Ming, you're crossing the streams there, aren't you? Yeah. It it goes one deeper. The um so Jason Voorhees, uh, what's his name, sorry, the actor. Oh well, um, Jesus! The name uh, there's a, there's a few of them. So but, but the in the first one, sorry, uh, Hodder, um, something oh, Kane, Hodder. Oh no, Kane Hodder didn't come till a little bit later. But yeah, Kane Hodder was he plays Jason in some of the Fridays. Got it. So he was second choice um, for Freddy. No so, way. No shit. He was second choice, but he didn't have the right stature for it, um, and he said he was actually relieved because then obviously he got to be Jason and actually be on screen with Freddy in Freddy versus Jason. However, he does play Freddy Krueger's hand grabbing up the gloves. In Jason Takes Manhattan? In Jason Takes Manhattan. So that is Jason Voorhees playing Freddy, which is, man, it's just inbred. It's so interconnected. I love it. Little behind the scenes stuff like that is brilliant. In a really, really small but connection to another franchise, Wishmaster... Kane Hodder appears as a security guard in Wishmaster. There's another one thrown in for good measure, because why not? Brilliant. Why not? I've got a final one. Insidious Lady, which you spotted, obviously, Sean. Um, the witch doctor from Insidious, the lady that knows everything, is the teacher in this film. So I really, really hope that this is all connected. Especially since The Further is basically a dream world too. 
I'd like to think that she immediately put down her teaching hat and said, nope, going into paranormal activity stuff, fuck this. <laughs> I know yeah, where I'll have cool. a happier time. Yeah, try it. See how the third movie goes for you. Spoilers. Um, right, anything anything you want to get off your chest about the film that I don't like? <laughs> I think we're... Just that I think I don't like it anymore either. <laughs> yes! yes! Yeah, I, think, I think you've ruined it, honestly. Um, but no, it... Um, <laughs> One th- <laughs> have I talked the- you out of liking this film? I'm not really at sorry. All, not at all, no. That is the no, but it's, 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 it's a podcast. rotten little film, right? They they did some. So originally, he he's written in this as a child murderer, right? And he was originally written as a child molester. You know, okay, right. lovely people. And that is something he was basically talked out of doing for fear of uh, losing investors for the original but they put back into the remake. Now, the remake is, by all accounts, not a good film. Right. I think, is it Jackie Earl Haley? He was Rorschach and Watchmen. Okay. Nails the role of Freddy. If somebody other than Robert England could play it, he was very good at it. I can see that. I'm really glad they didn't go that route. It doesn't fit with the tone of the film. I, I think, yeah, some of the sequels... The tone of the film doesn't fit with the film. <laughs> no, it doesn't fit <laughs> current tone. This would have pushed it even further away, yeah. As I said that, I realised how ridiculous it sounded. Uh. <laughs> it may as well be, to be honest, might it? Um, brilliant. So, welcome to the episode where Ian converts people away from the, the films they like. Sorry! I, I remind you that you picked these films first to watch. What have we learned from the series of films? That the 70s were amazing, and then there was the 80s. And didn't we know that going in? We did kinda. know, didn't we? We did. Um, I, think... I didn't. No, that's fair. I feel cheated now. I feel like i got a bad ending. Yeah, we should, we should have left him on a good one. Um, um... The Shining. <laughs> the Shining, yeah, there we go. 1980. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay, fair enough. I still seventies. I the still thing, count nineteen eighties. Wouldn't do the thing. Oh my god! The thing. I don't even count that as horror. That is sci-fi thriller. How do you it's not just count that as horror? Obviously, it's not horror. You have a stronger well, set of bells than I do. I yeah, maybe. I don't know. You yeah. No, I think you can put up with more Hellraiser. That's quite in your face, isn't it? Hellraiser is pretty in your face. This is true. Yeah. So, I mean, this is quite emotional, isn't it? This is the the end of our month with Albert. What's been your highlights? Um, Albert Hogan, here's your best bits. (laughs) No, I am not going to edit a compilation together of Albert's best bits. You name dropped it, you're doing it. Absolutely not happening. (laughs) Hey, it's your podcast. Mate, fuck you. I know. Right, I am editing that out. What has been the highlight of Hogan's Halloween House of Horrors as you penned it in right at the start? Um, well, I've learned a few things about myself. So I've learned that actually I am well able to watch horror movies and I'm not as put off by the gore and scares as I thought I would have been. Um, I will be forever grateful to you both for making me watch The Exorcist, which catapulted into my top 10 films of all time i have learned that a lot of the acting in horror movies is pretty ropey uh, and there's a reason why it tends to be you know people who we never hear from again um but i think the thing that stands out for me is just like the the fact that um you know 
having worked in a film studio and having worked on some of those horror sequels that you're like really why another one um it makes sense to me now because you can see how you can build a really rabid fan base around characters often more so than actual story films yeah. yeah um so you know your freddy's your jason's um you know that that makes sense to me now um so i feel like i come away understanding the genre at last now that I don't work in the film business anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you can appreciate it from afar now. I can I appreciate do... it from afar. And the other thing I'm, I'm, my eyes have been open to is is score music from horror movies. Because mm. um, I would have always seen them as pretty lowbrow, you know, screechy violin, job yeah. done. Um, but actually, there's some really bloody good ones we've encountered along the way. So much so that I am committing here and now that I'm going to put together a Spotify playlist of my favourite um, score tracks. And I might even write like a little blog or something to go with it, just because I want to share some of that with your listeners. And um, I think it would be a good way for me to kind of wrap up this exercise with you guys as well. So um, that will hopefully be ready before um, Halloween hits us. So um, keep an eye out on the official channels hopefully you guys don't mind posting that oh my i will be listening to it i cannot wait to hear this um yeah love it and i may just start my own podcast doing boring musical analysis of score scores i mean i will be there i I won't be able to contribute a damn thing but i will definitely be there to rub your ego and be like don't you don't you talk yourself down i think it'll be great be episode after episode of i like that that's good (laughs) i really don't like that (laughs) <laughs> that's that not that's the screechy violins <laughs> I think that's symbolic of music <laughs> I don't like it what did you said last week that was in 2550 time wasn't it <laughs> yeah it did two, 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 four, or one two, two I don't four, know what the fuck that is <laughs> it was played on an instrument it's fine um, yeah. yeah my extent of musical knowledge is how a bard uses it in D&D <laughs> But in all, just to wrap up, thank you both, because this has been bloody awesome, something I'll remember for a long time. Um, And I hope next year I can come back and you can push the envelope even further. Um, But yeah, I feel like I'm converted to the horror genre and I'm sort of intrigued to watch some of the more recent stuff. I know Saw was something we talked about watching and Paranormal Activity, so I might might just go there. Um, Please and, do not uh, watch Paranormal Activity without us. Oh yeah, okay. no, like you can go there, but not without us. You won't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's still there's there's the films quite quite generally. Like, there's there's the films that you know we would have loved to suggest for this series, but there really there really really was only so many films we could do in the month of October. But yeah. um, I'm sure like we would both sit down and come up with ten films straight away that you must watch that just didn't maybe have. The iconic status. Yeah. 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 And actually, in a way, I'm glad we ended up with the list we did because there was some brilliant stuff in there. There was some not so brilliant stuff, but it's still iconic, you know, so it was it was definitely a good introduction. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm excited to do more. I, I now after this month, I can't imagine you not being on the podcast now. It's been <laughs> Awesome. It's to such to a... mediate between you two fighting all the time. <laughs> we'll go back to being like less fighty now. Although our sexy, fuck... sexy fights though. Fuck you, Memento is not the best Nolan film. Um, but oh, shit, hang on, we're it's... an hour and nineteen in. Dark Knight Rises. 
Oh, yay! <laughs> we, we almost made it through the whole month. Brilliant. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. You've brought some intelligence to the podcast that we've definitely been lacking. I um, will, I will, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, no, I've, my, my, my personal highlight has been watching you watch The Exorcist um, and the joy that that has now brought you. That is, that is what, if we do the podcast for 15 years... That's the peak. That's brilliant. That's so so good. Um, Smashing. I'm yeah, looking no. forward to doing the same for you with a musicals season, where we will make you watch all the musicals. In. I'm afraid I'm busy that year. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> that's only half a joke. Some musicals are long. Uh, yeah. Like I think Phantom is still being filmed somewhere. It was released in about 2004. Yeah, it's in the yeah. studio next to the Star Trek The Motion Picture. They're still <laughs> plugging away, trying to beat each other. Um, but it's been an awesome It's been really, really, really cool. Um, Sean, how, what have you loved about the month? Not much that hasn't already been said. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's been fascinating seeing films that I might have known for years and years and years through another set of eyes or through yeah. a fresh reaction. You know what I mean? Um, and I've learned to enjoy a lot of these films a bit more because of that. Certainly, we've analysed films. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm a savant. Like, I will go and sit down <laughs> and read, as you know, at this stage, like, you know, Sean, do you have any behind the scenes thing about this? Do I? But do it's I been, ever? It's been great having people who will actually listen to that. It's been wonderful. <laughs> at um, least two of us. At least two. Well, at least one of you. You just t- you take a ticket each week. Um, and no, but that's. It's still, been... it's still my favourite thing. It's still my favourite thing that was when. Ian, Chris and you, little Miss Exposition. I love that. That's just, <laughs> you will always be that to me now. You've got the stuff that I absolutely, I, I can't remember what we were talking about, but I absolutely knew that Sean was bursting to explain it to us. <laughs> no, it's sorry. They just taped a bunch of cats together. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's how they filmed Reagan oh. for The Exorcist. Uh, no, oh. it's been a lot of fun. Genuinely, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, now, it does sound like we're all about to die. I mean, we're not all about to die. No, know? we're not. And I don't need, I don't want to wait until next year to get... We need to work out what we cover off next year. I think it'd be... We've picked some good films for this run. Um, we kind of had to have a bit of foresight and know that this isn't the only time we're going to do this. Mm. So let's do it right. Um, next time, I think we'll bring it... Probably, we'll take the back end of the 80s into the uh, 90s, whatever. But I, I'm really I'm annoyed we didn't get into Paranormal Activity because I need to see your jump scare reactions to that motherfucker. That's funny now, yeah, you're right. You're right, because there's a lot of stuff, as you, as you say, going into the 90s uh, and into the 2000s and then into the whole found footage genre, into Paranormal, Spooky... I mean, we haven't gone yeah. near The Conjuring, Insidious, any of those. I mean, there's some... Final Destination is a thing of its own as well. Um, yeah. There's so much ground to cover. We could just make this a horror podcast. I quite like that idea. Um, but I think it's fascinating that you, that Albert, you've gone into this kind of deliberately not liking, or not deliberately not liking horror, but not liking horror, and come out of the other side being able to appreciate some of it. Um, more than I have, I think. I think mm. I've turned... I think I've liked more of the films than you have. I think you have. I think that's a fact. Right. It's been an absolute pleasure, Albert. Thank you for being with us for this month. I cannot wait for your Spotify um, uh, your Spotify playlist to come out. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be so cool. Um, and we'll definitely have you back sometime really, really, really soon. And we haven't even announced what we're doing next month, mainly because we haven't decided it. Um, 
But yeah, so this episode is going to come out on Tuesday. We do have a special, uh, special episode for you that's going to come out on Saturday the thirty first on actual Halloween, where we have um, a special guest. Are we going to say who the guest is? Should we do it? Or would surprise. Ah, uh, sure, maybe we'll say it. Yeah, so we've got Ash Millman, um, who basically looked after all of kind of what culture horror, and we're going to be tackling um, the Saw franchise, among other things. Uh, so much fun. It was an awesome, awesome chat with her. Um, so you got that to look forward to on Saturday. So until then, um, bye bye from Albert. Bye. No, screw it, Sean, bye you need shut down. I'm leaving. You, you wrap up the episode. I'm out of here. Apparently I take over too much. Albert, if people want to reach out and get in touch with you, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Albert Hogan. That is great. And we, as I say, we, we look forward very much to your Spotify play. I'm all on the spot now. Uh, to your Spotify <laughs> playlist. And uh, you mentioned a blog as well. Of course, we will put that up on the website. No problem. We have a website, by the way. Um, and uh, yeah, I will leave Ian to put the plugs in for this. And everyone, you have a lovely rest of your day. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to An Englishman and an Irishman Go to the Movies. I, at least, would love to hear your thoughts on the episode. Sean couldn't care enough to record this with me. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at English Irish GTM. Email us at an Englishman and an Irishman at gmail.com. And check out our website, www.anenglishmanandanirishman.wordpress.com, where you'll find all of our previous episodes. You'll find me on Twitter, at galactic underscore Dave, and you'll find Sean, at Sean Ferrick. Thanks for being awesome, and we love you very much. <laughs>